Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome, church familia, to the perfect place for imperfect people, the local church. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to shout out to those who are online, Judy and Sam, so good to see you. And and for Jerry and and Doug, who are at Everglades Correctional, thank you for that Get Well Soon card. I'll I'll see you guys uh, very soon to be able to be there in person. And all my church familia here, I'm so grateful that we we get to continue to hear God's word for us and to teach us and to transform us. I'm ready today. I got my, I got my blockbuster card. Anyone still have one of these? Oh, we got a few people here. I remember when I found this several years ago, it was just in a shoebox that I've always had on my shelf. And as we're getting ready to move, I'm looking through. So I'm like, do I need to get rid of this box? And I found this blockbuster card. I mean, this is so old. It doesn't even have an area code. It's just a seven digit number. Like this is old school, but, but it had always been there. It was always there. I just, I wasn't aware that it was right in front of me for so many years. And that's what this series is about. As we talk through these blockbusters, we're going to see that through all of these stories, there's one story that has been there from the very beginning. And that's the story of our Savior, Jesus, who's come to set us free, who's come to give us help. Amen? See, we live by five values here at the local church, love, hope, help, familia, and faith. And, and today, I, I want to talk about this idea of help. So if you guys can open up your Bibles and open up your apps, go to your favorite app store if you don't have our app, and you can follow along, you can fill in the blanks, send it to yourself so you remember. Here's the first big idea that I want us to get, and it's this value of help. Help happens here. Say help. Help happens here. This is what we mean by that. The way that I serve God is by serving other people. The way that I serve this God that that I can't see is by serving his people that I can. And help happens here. And as we begin today, I just want to brag on this church. I'm so grateful to be a pastor that is filled with so many people who help every single week. Can we give it up for our serve team members? They come and and they find a seat for us. They help us park. They clean this place up. They watch and pray and teach our children. Every single week they come to help and make this the perfect place for imperfect people. We also have our Connect team leaders who open up their home and oftentimes provide food to connect people to Jesus and one another. They help make this the perfect place for imperfect people. Some of you are like, well, I don't serve and I'm not part of a group. How can I help? I want to be part of this. Listen, your next step of helping here in this house could simply be to come to our 9 o'clock or our 12 o'clock. If you look across this room, it's more crowded than any other services. And so shout out to all those that are 9 or 12 who, who've made a missionary move. Like maybe some of you might want to do in the upcoming weeks to help create some space and some parking spots so that people can come and experience the grace and the love and the help of God right here in this place. But, but this is a church where help happens here. Now, as we continue, I need your help. Can you guys give me some help this morning? Yes, yes. What are we, what are we saying yes to? Listen, we made the announcement last week that um, September 4th is going to be Pastor Steve's last official day as our salaried leadership team. Now, he's still going to lead us in worship for the upcoming months. He's still a pastor here. That's not taken away. That, that calling is not revoked from, from anyone who serves the Lord. But um, he, he's going to be officially transitioning off, and he's taking a leadership role at 
at Chick-fil-A. And so I need you to help me. If Pastor Steve, if his ministry, him and his wife, Samantha, if they have meant any help to you, if they have provided help through their leading of worship, as you leave today, there's these cards and these pens. If you would just pour out every word, if you would just let them know of the help and the hope and the love and the ministry that that they have encouraged you with, what we're going to do is we're going to take all those, we're going to put them in a bound book, and we're going to give that as a gift to them, to honor them, to let them know that they matter to God, they matter to us. And we're just so grateful for the past 10 plus years of them serving and helping here at the local church. So can we do that? A fun fact about Pastor Steve as he's getting right in. I may share a lot of embarrassing facts about you, Pastor Steve, so uh, you're welcome. His favorite movie of all time is The Lion King. Out of all the movies, it's The Lion King. Anyone here like that's your favorite movie as well? Yeah, all right. We got two people, three people. Okay, listen, I'm not, I'm not knocking on The Lion King. I think it's a beautiful, it's a brilliant movie. The music is phenomenal in it. I think it's the pinnacle of, of hand-drawn animation out of any animated film ever. And then the song, you know, The Circle of Life, like you have no idea how that has helped my family. Like I know, like many of you parents, you're gonna have to have these hard conversations with your kids and they get a little bit more awkward as they get older but like for my kids they're wondering why do animals eat each other and and we eat pigs and 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 we eat little chickens like Maui's little chick like and so the, the, the circle of life song helped me to explain this difficult concept to my little children it's like it's just a circle that they don't eat each other because they're mean they eat each other because they have to and I thought oh thank thank you so much for this song but it, it it backfired on me. So then my, my youngest son, Everett, one day he said, well, how come those that eat vegetables, the, the, the herbivores, how come they're so weak? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, this is why I don't eat vegetables because I don't want to be eaten. I'm like, no, no, no. So listen, it, it may, maybe Pastor Steve, you can do that, or one of you if, you, if you know, like, if you can write a clever song of why vegetables are important, uh, I would greatly appreciate it. It's a phenomenal movie, though. And maybe you're not aware of this, but it borrows a lot of themes from this biblical blockbuster of the story of Joseph. You have this beloved son who is now forced to go to a distant land because he was betrayed by his family. He makes some friends while he is there, but ultimately he goes back home to confront his betrayer and then bring salvation to the people of his land through sustenance, through food. There's another movie, maybe it's not so much a blockbuster, but it is an award-winning movie that also shares a lot of similar themes to the story of Joseph as well. It's a movie, 12 Years a Slave. Beautiful movie, but, but sobering. Such a heavy movie. And a simple synopsis of it is it's about this, this free man named Solomon who was captured and then sold into slavery while he was free. And over the course of many years, 12 to be exact, he's sold to different owners and he makes some friends and he's betrayed by some of them. But ultimately, he, he finds freedom again and makes his way back home, but then comes back to set the captives free. 
In both these stories, the Lion King and 12 Years a Slave, you know, they, they move our minds and they move our hearts and sometimes our eyes to tears because there, there's such incredible lessons of life in that. The lessons that we can learn from those movies are so powerful, are so important to, to remember that family is the most important and helping set people free is, is one of the ultimate things that we can accomplish in this earth. And today as we talk about this biblical blockbuster story of Joseph, like the Lion King, and maybe for some of us, 12 years of slaves, we come to the story of Joseph with familiarity of just the moral lessons they provide, right? If we're honest, when we think of this story of Joseph, we can remember all the lessons we learned as little kids growing up. There, there's this, this lesson of, of you know, him getting this, this brightly colored coat from, from his father. And, and we remember the lesson of don't compare yourself to other people and, and don't, don't desire to be like them. Don't be jealous. There's this lesson that we've learned of, of the dream that he had and now he's bragging. And we remember that, that we shouldn't brag and we shouldn't talk so highly of ourselves to other people. When he's eventually sold into slavery and he's in Potiphar's house, we remember the lesson that when temptation comes your way, what do we do? We run. You don't fight against it. Will powers for guys named Will, and oftentimes they still fail. When temptation comes, we remember this lesson. Run away from temptation. We remember this lesson of all his brothers bowing down to him. And in that moment, we remember that it's so important for us to forgive, to extend grace and forgive people in our lives who have wronged us. There's so many good moral teaching lessons from the story of Joseph that we remember, but I want us to remember where we started this series. Do you remember? The followers of Jesus after his resurrection, they're walking down this road called Emmaus and, and they had had all these high hopes that Jesus would be the one to set them free, to save them, but now he's dead, now he's suffered and surely the son of God wouldn't have to go through these things and so now they're disappointed but this is where Jesus finds them and Jesus begins to, to speak to them. And so Luke chapter 24, verse 25, Jesus said to them, he said, Oh, foolish ones, and slow to heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. You would come to the temple and you heard these lessons, but you missed the greater story. Was it not necessary? Was it not essential? Was it not part of God's plan that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And verse 27 is key. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted in them all the scriptures, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now that, that's the story that makes the difference. All the other more lessons are good. We should learn from them. We should apply them. But the only story with eternal significance and consequence is the story of Jesus. That's the only thing that's going to set us free. That's the only thing that's going to give us everlasting life. And this help that Jesus came to bring has been the story from the very beginning. And so there's hope today that any one of us who, who's in need of help, maybe you've come today with significant burns, maybe you've come today with the plans not being in sync with what you think they might be, today help can happen here. 
Today, we can find the help that we need. Turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 37. It'll be up there on the screens and in your app. First book of the Bible, 37th chapter, starting in verse 3. This is the story of Joseph. It says, now Israel, which was his father, Jacob, Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a robe of many colors. He, he bought him an ugly sweater. You ever got one of those ugly sweaters? I was going to wear one today, but I was like, no, that is ugly. So I chose this and my wife's like, that's ugly too. Bad selection. I was like, whatever, babe, whatever. He, he bought him the, this colorful robe, this coat, but it wasn't like an ugly sweater that we get for Christmas that we need to return to J.C. Penny. This was a symbol of love to his son, his favorite son. Now let me ask, a, let me ask an honest question in the perfect place for imperfect people. How many parents here have a favorite child? Show of hands. <laughs> people are like, oh. <laughs> why would you raise your hand? If you're, oh, you're pointing to him. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's be honest. We all do, right? Okay, maybe we wouldn't call them our favorite, but they might annoy us less than the other ones. This one was an angel, but this one, oh my Lord, take them away. Okay, maybe it's too much. Maybe, maybe your children are here with you, your children at home at line with you. Okay, how many of us in this place were the favorite child? My show of hands. Yeah, quite a few of us, and the rest of us hate you. <laughs> I've shared this many times before, but I'm half Korean, half Cuban. My parents got divorced when I was at a very young age, and they both remarried. So I have a very weird family structure. I have a sister who's three and a half years older than me. Her name is Michelle. She's half Cuban, half Korean, but then my dad remarried a German woman. So I have a sister who's 18 years younger than me who's half Cuban, half German. My mom, she remarried a Japanese guy. So I have two younger brothers, one who's 10 and one who's 15 years younger than me, and they're half Japanese and half Korean. And I want to focus on that just for a moment because what you need to know about Asian families is they love sons. Right? Any Asian families here? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, daughters are okay, but oh, the son. Oh, I love the son. No, I, I shouldn't do that. Some of you are going to make funny Asian voices. You can't do that. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Asians. My bad. It's like, it's like this ancient Hebrew culture. The, the, the son, but the very son, they're blessed. They're highly favored. And I'm not saying it's fair, okay? But like, this was my experience growing up. I had benefits that my other brothers did not have. I could do no wrong, or I could do wrong and blame it on someone else, and they would get in trouble. How many know what I'm talking about? Favorite children, right? Like, I didn't do it, Dad. It was Michelle. Michelle, you're old. You should know better. You're grounded. I'm like, <laughs> now, okay, I feel the hatred in this room. I'm, again, I'm not saying it's fair, but it sure felt good. Amen? <laughs> this is the problem with favoritism. He loved his son more than any other son. Verse 37, chapter 37, verse 4. It says, and when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. Say hated. That's, that's important. They didn't dis dislike him. He wasn't just annoying. They hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. He was the favorite son. They hated him. And their hatred, their deep disdain towards Joseph only increased when he told them their dream, his dreams. Verse 6, 
Joseph said to them, hey, hey guys, listen, hear this dream that I dreamed. Behold, we're all binding sheaves in the field and, and mine arose and stood upright and behold, all your sheaves, they gathered around and they bowed down to mine. His brother said, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? Are, are we gonna work for you one day, brother? And so they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. But this little kid, he was so privileged. He didn't know how good he had it. He had no tact and emotional intelligence. He told them about another dream. Then he dreamed another dream, even though they hated him. And he told it to his brother, said, hey guys, listen, I had another dream. Uh, but the, the sun, the moon, and, and all the 11 stars were bowing down down to me in this dream. But when he told to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come and bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers, now they were angry and jealous of him, but his father kept this saying in mind. Think about that. Like honestly, how angry would that make you? You're, you're the young one and you're acting all arrogant and you're saying that, that you're gonna inherit the family business and then all of us are gonna be in your payroll. And so they're furious at this idea that they're, they're gonna one day bow down to this scrawny little colorful coat-wearing brother of theirs. They already hated him for being the father's favorite and these dreams fueled this hatred toward him even more. And in this culture where, where the, the elders are supposed to be honored by the younger, this took, this took his father aback a little bit as well. See, Jacob understood dreams. He should have understood the dream that Joseph had. God gave Jacob a dream of the heavens opening up and, and this ladder and angels ascending and descending, taking the prayers of God's people. He had a dream himself. And, and Jacob himself should also have understood the, the pain of favoritism. He remembers how his brother favored his brother Esau and what that did for him. And this should have led him to break the cycle of favoritism in his family, but he didn't. And when his, his oldest son, Reuben, slept with his concubine, I mean, listen, if you think your family has some troubles, like, there's nothing like the biblical families. When, when his oldest son slept with his concubine, this gave him the reason to take away the firstborn rights and give it to his favorite son, Joseph. And that's what the colorful coat was all about. It wasn't a working garment. It was a royal robe. It was to signify that he would one day rule and reign, that he would be the one who's in charge. And so like Joseph is singing, oh, I just can't wait to be king. He's bragging everywhere and his brothers are so angry with him. And I know, I, I want to stop right there because I know some of us, when we think of this story of Joseph, we have this sanitized, safe, kid-friendly, rated G version of this. But, but this, is, this is more 12 years a slave than it is the Lion King. The Bible says that they stripped him of all his clothes. That word used is literally the same word used to skin an animal. This was a violent attack upon their little brother that they hated. They beat 
him. They threw him in a pit and and wanted to leave him there to die because they hated him so much. But then one of the brothers said, well, he's as good as dead. Why don't we make some money off of this little brother of ours? And then they sold him into slavery. I mean, if we're honest, many of us, we've thought of that, right? Like, our siblings annoy us. Let's get rid of them. Let's leave them at the mall. Maybe some other family will take them. They actually went through with this. They sold their brother into slavery. Think of Joseph's life after that. How many nights was he, was he laying in the darkness in prison, longing for his home, longing for his people, longing for his country? But here's a remarkable thing. Throughout this entire time, Joseph knew that God was with him. Through everything that he went through, through all the pain, the betrayal, Joseph knew that God was with him. He was sold into slavery for 10 years and moved from owner to owner. And if you know the story, eventually he is bought by this rich man, this this wealthy man named Potiphar who had a wicked wife. Potiphar trusted him and put him over everything in his house, but his wife, she was wicked. And one day she came and she made a proposal. She said, why don't you lie with me? But Joseph knew he couldn't do that because the presence of God was with him. Look how he responds, Genesis 39.9. He says, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? God. His family wasn't there. No one would have batted an eye of him doing this. This was common in that culture. But he knew, I can't do this because God is with me. Because of this offense, he was thrown into prison for several years. While he's in prison, he makes some friends. He's betrayed. They forget about him. He's all alone. And then one day, two years later, he gets the opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. But he still knew God was with him, even in that prison. Look at his response, Genesis 41, 16. He says, it's not in me. I, I, I can't bring a solution to this. God, God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So not only did he know that God was with him, he knew that God was working within him. Here's the help for us today. Don't assume that if you are suffering in this life or going through pain or experience the the rocky bottom of a pit, don't assume that God has abandoned you, that he has left you for dead. Joseph knew every step of the way that God was with him. In fact, in Genesis 39, 23, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written, it says this, the Lord was with him and whatever he did, in every single season, whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. I want to be honest with you for a moment. I know it's, it sounds so easy for a pastor to say that, but oftentimes when, when I've experienced a pit in my life, when I've experienced pain, I wonder, God, why have you abandoned me? Why, why, why did you allow me to go through this? Why have you left me alone? Why, why is there no help around me right now, God? 
And then when I come out of it, when God gets me out of what I'm going through, I can look back in hindsight and I, and I notice and I repent, oh Lord, you were with me and you were working those things and you even used those things for my good. But, but I want to know in it, some of us are in it right now and the confidence that Joseph had, I want, I want to know and I want us to know that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and even though in this world we will experience tribulation and we're experiencing trouble right now that I don't have to be afraid because he's with me. Amen? Amen. I want to know that I want us to have that confidence today. Turn a few people around you right now. Tell them the pit is all part of God's plan. Be careful with those words, okay? The pit is all part of God's plan. His plan from the very beginning has been to help. To help us here where we are. And this story of Joseph is to show us ultimately how God has done that through Jesus. This is the blockbuster. It's not about Joseph's story. It's about Jesus' story. See, because Joseph was a beloved son by his father, just like Jesus is a beloved son of our heavenly father. And Joseph held on to the dream that God had given him. And holding on to that dream that God had given him helped him to endure the nakedness that he felt in front of the slave traders, the, 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 the abuse that he experienced from his brothers, the betrayal that he experienced from his friends, and all the suffering over the 22 years of his life that he left his family. Holding on to this dream helped him to endure, just like Jesus held on to the dream and the purpose that God had put into him to be the savior of his people that helped him to endure when, when, when like Joseph, he was sold by people close to him. He was hated by his own people. He experienced nakedness and, and the pit of death but yet he held on to that hope of the help that helped him to endure dying on the cross for you and me. The story is about Jesus and the help he brings. I mean, you fast forward and all the betrayal and pain that Joseph experienced, eventually the Bible says he ascends to the right hand of Pharaoh. And this is just a picture of, of everything that Jesus would go through. His own people would reject him. His own friends would sell him. But, but we get this picture that one day Jesus is going to be at the right hand of his father, ruling and reigning with love and grace. And just as Jacob and his sons bowed down to Joseph, the Bible promises us that one day all of us will bow down to the Son of God, will bow down to Jesus. Philippians 2, 9, I want you to hear this. It says, therefore God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed and placed upon him the name that is above every name, the name that has power, the name that has authority, so that at the name of Jesus, what? Every knee should bow. Every single knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and underneath the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is God to the glory of God the Father. That right there is going to happen one day guaranteed. Yeah. 
This promise will come to pass that one day everyone will see Jesus in his glory and they will understand that he is God. This will come to pass guaranteed. So what does that mean for us today? Write this big idea down. Even if it's preceded with pain, God's plans will always come to pass. Even though everything that has come before it, your family history has been one of hurt and suffering and betrayal, even if it's preceded with, with insurmountable pain, God's plans will always, say always, always come to pass. What would we, would we experience if we understood this? How could this frame everything else in our life that, that all the pits, that all the pain are part of God's plan and God will even use those to fulfill his promise? Guaranteed, his plans will always come to pass in our lives because of Jesus. See, Joseph, he, he was, he was an e a Hebrew slave in an Egyptian prison. I mean, this is insurmountable. This is uncommon. But in one day, one night, he moves from the pit of a prison to, to Pharaoh's palace because he interpreted a dream, understood that there would be a famine one day, and created a plan to prepare God's people. And Pharaoh, he was so amazed at, at the wisdom that God had given to Joseph that he not only set him free, but he set him up. He made him the prime minister of all of Egypt. And then seven years later, like he predicted, a famine came. Listen to what Pharaoh says in Genesis 41:55. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, all of his people, the people of Joseph, he said, go to Joseph. And simple as this, what he says to you, do. Go to Joseph. He's in control. He understands whatever he tells you, I want you to do. So when the famine had spread all over the land, Joseph opened up the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt, to Joseph, to buy grain because the famine was severe all over the earth. What an incredible humanitarian effort that Joseph led in. The world came to him. To, to, to be fed. He, he was able to help hungry people. Now before we continue, I just want to brag again on this church. This place is filled, and those of you at home, with people who, who come and help make this the perfect place for imperfect people. We, we read stories like this, and we take it to heart. And God has used us here in this place to provide help by feeding hungry people. You know, in, in March of 2020, when, when all the world came tumbling down, we, we came together as a leadership team and said, this is our moment. The church exists for such a time as this. And while people were hungry and while people had no money for food, we, we came together and said, we're going to do food distributions. And just in this year, in, in 20, what year is it? Is it 2022, 2023? I don't even know. It's 2022. Just in this year alone, we've been able to feed 4,700 families 
with $147,000 worth of groceries. This is the help that happens here. In fact, if we go all the way back to, to March of 2020, we've been able to feed 16,902 families over $581,000, close to $600,000 worth of groceries to help them, to feed them. Help happens here. But here's why we do it. We bring this help, not because it feels good. I mean, those numbers are, are awesome to look at and to celebrate. And we can pat ourselves on the back. But that's not why we do it. We do it not because it feels good. We do it because God has been so good to us. God has met our, our needs. God has set us free. We help others because God has first helped us. Not just to feed our stomachs but to save us once and for all, to set us free from sin and death forever. I want you to write this big idea down so we can understand this story of Joseph. Just as the whole world came to Joseph to live another day, the whole world must come to Jesus to live forever. The story of Joseph is just a shadow of Jesus, the one who would set us free. And just like everyone came to Joseph, the whole world came to Joseph to live another day, to have food, to be fed. The whole world must come to Jesus to live forever, to be saved. I want to say this very clear so that you understand what's at stake. The Bible says in Acts 4.12, it says, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no under name under heaven which must be given among men that which we can be saved. There is no other religion. There is no other guru. There is no other alliance. There is no other accountability. There's only one way that we can be set free and saved. It's through Jesus. And Jesus, he, he says it more relationally. He says in John 6, 35, he says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life, and whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Listen, if you're spiritually hungry, Jesus satisfies. If you're longing to be known, to be loved, if you need help in this life, every help you need is found in him. He's the son of God who's come from the very beginning to bring the help that we need in our time of trouble, to set us free. And today, you can be free. Today, you can find this help. Again, this is why we help. This is why we've come together. This is why we, we gather. This is why so many people serve on a Sunday and they don't get paid so that they can give away this help and this hope that we found in Jesus. 
Listen, some of you are here today and and you haven't been part of those food distributions and you don't serve on a team and and, and you don't lead a group or connect in a group and and I don't want you to feel guilty and I don't want you to feel like, oh, what, what kind of help can I provide? I'm no good here. Listen, give that away. Doesn't have to happen within these walls. Help happens wherever we're at because the presence of God is with us. So give that away. Serve somebody. Point someone to him. Love your neighbor. Let them know through your actions that God is good, that he is kind, that he is alive, that he is loving, that he is powerful by the way that you live your life. And I'm telling you, it's not just a religious obligation. It's not, we, we help because we have to. When we help, when we pour out ourselves to other people, many of you know this, there's a sense of purpose that overwhelms us that nothing else can offer, Amen. When we give ourselves away, this sense of purpose and intentionality, and I get to be part of something bigger than than myself, it overwhelms us. Why is that? Because this is God's design and desire for us as people. He put it in us to give ourselves away. He put it in us to be charitable. And when we do that, we get to experience this satisfaction and this purpose in our lives. Now, why are we talking about this? Why do we share these things? Listen, this story of Joseph is not to convince people to be part of food distributions or to sign up to serve. Those are good things, but but this, this story, the purpose of this story is to let us know here today that nothing can ever stop God's plan from coming to pass in our lives because of Jesus. Let me say that again. Nothing, say nothing. Nothing will ever get in the way of God's plan to come to pass in our life because of Jesus. Even when it feels like you're in a pit, even when it feels overwhelming, even when it feels like you're imprisoned, you're alone, his plan will come to pass. Even if it's preceded with pain, his plans will always come to pass. See, it must have been that day that that Joseph is now standing before his brothers, seated in a high throne, his brothers bowing down before him, that everything began to click in his mind. Oh, God, you have been faithful. From this vantage point of looking at his past, he now understands that God's plan came to pass. It took 22 years. Think about that. 22 years from when his brothers sold him off to now they're bowing down before him. 22 years. And now he's understanding, God, God, you have caused all of this for this day. And this day for Joseph wasn't a, I told you so. My dream came true. It wasn't a, how you like me now, guys? No, he understood it was to bring help. And not just help for his family. Something bigger than himself. Bigger than his family. Help to the world. Genesis 50, 20. 12, 22 years later, it says this. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. 22 years, forget 12 years of slave. 22 years later, he's saying, you meant it for evil. But 
God meant it for good. How would we approach life? What hope would we have if we could just plaster that sticker on everything that happens in our life? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That man that took advantage of you, he meant it for evil. That boss who overlooked you, who didn't promote you, that coworker that lied about you, that family member that betrayed you, that sibling that stole from you, maybe in their hearts they meant it for evil, but God, God can even work those things, that pain, that suffering for his good plan. I mean, Jesus could have said those same words. You meant this for evil. You, you, you tortured me. You brought me to this place of death. You think this is your plan? No, but God, God meant it for good. God meant it, and I finished it, so that whoever would come to me could receive help, life, forever. Many of you might be familiar with this passage, but I pray today that it would resonate in your soul and your spirit like never before. Romans 8, 28. The Spirit of God says, and we know that those who love God, for all those who love God, he says, all things. How many things? Think about everything in your life. All of those are covered. All things work together for good. How can God work this together? Because he works all things. This feels so dark and so destructive. God can work all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Listen, I don't know how God is going to work the pit of your life for good. I don't know how long it might take him to work that in your life together for good, but he will. He won't fail you. I believe that he will work all things in your life together for his good plan. It's not a question of if. He can, he will. Will we trust him? Let's take a step of faith right now and let's just declare out loud and say we trust him. Lord, I trust you. God, I trust you right now to turn this around for your glory and your good, to turn this brokenness, this broken relationship, this hurt, this pain, this financial situation. God, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe you can, and I believe you want to for my life, Lord. I believe. I know sometimes it's so hard to to believe, but when we declare it out loud and and our heart hears it and our ears hear it, it can stir up faith in our heart. He will work all things together for our goods. Will we trust him? Final big idea that I want us to get today. And this is what I want us to do as we stand to our feet right now. If I release my pain and suffering to God, he can use it for the purpose of salvation. If I can release the pain and suffering, today, right now, listen, 
I, I, I ask that we'd all extend our hands in a posture of release of surrender. And this, this means nothing if our heart isn't behind it. But I pray today that, that we would believe and we would learn to let go. Some of us today, we need to release the pain and the suffering. God, the hurt that I've experienced, the hurt that they caused, the hurt that, that they meant for evil, God, I'm releasing that to you. I'm not going to let this affect me anymore. I'm not going to let it poison my mind anymore. Some of us today, we have to learn to release the pain and the suffering. Some of us today, you've done that already, but you're not releasing the plan. Today for us, it's to release that plan. God, I've held on to this. I've made my plan, God, but I give it to you that you would direct my pathway. I've walked around in arrogance, believing that I know every step of the way, God, and I realize I know nothing at all, but you are in control. And so let's release that plan to him. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.